Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I am Caleb, and I am recording for the first time in Netflix and Swill Studios West. Uh, and, and I'm Dan, and welcome to episode 200. It is an auspicious day, my good buddy. Uh, sure is. 200th episode, uh, first episode I'm recording in the new place. There might be sort of an echo because I still don't really have a lot of furniture in here. <laughs> That's to be expected. That's what my audio sounded like until I actually put up all this crap on the walls. Yeah, it's always weird uh, being in like an emptied out apartment and hearing yourself. Uh, how, how are things other than, you know, moving into a new place? Good, good. I'm just uh, just working a lot. Uh, the wife got to come out and visit me this weekend. Had a... Coitus? Yeah, she uh, she performed her duties and then uh, <laughs> went home. Perfect. Informed the men. I had snoo snoo. I'm proud of you. Uh, what the fuck have I done this week? Nothing? As, as, as is per usual, Dan did nothing all week. Yeah, I just... Uh-oh. Yeah, I've just been sitting around doing nothing. That's it. And I'm trying to think through my week. Did, did I actually do anything of actual excitement? No. Oh, really. good. Apparently there's somebody in my new neighborhood who drives a gigantic loud truck. Oh, no. We thought we were away from this. <laughs> I am in an actual like city now, so uh, I don't know if it's going to be more or less noise. Eh, we'll see. I'll be able to tell you in it's post. Not like a, it's not like a city city, but I don't know. I'm not really seeing much coming up on my waveform, so I'm optimistic. I, I believe uh, heavily. Uh, I have nothing. I wanted to banter, but then I, I was like, oh, I have nothing to banter about. There's nothing to talk about. Except for the, yeah, I don't know. It's the been, horrible uh, atrocities it's been... of the world. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh... Let's let's not. Let's try to keep it light. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty much been all work and no play for it, your boy. So uh, it, it, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. So, And all the shining makes me a uh, very bored boy. <laughs> you just don't get it, Dan. It's let true. me explain. Let me let me mansplain Stanley Kubrick to you. Uh, I can mansplain my version of Stanley Kubrick to everybody, but I won't do that here because that's not the purpose of this podcast. Uh, well, uh, I suppose without further ado, let us uh, roll straight into what's your swill. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. 
Alright, it's so a real talk. I forgot to make swill as I was trying to make my computer uncrash. So, uh, Caleb, regale them as I throw something together very quickly. Uh, I'm having a uh, Miller High Life. It is the champagne of beers. I don't know. I, um, I've had it on here before. It's fine. I don't, I don't know why I've been fucking buying Miller so much lately, because I don't like it. It just, just so happens to be, uh, what I saw when I walked into the beer cave at Sheets. And if you know me, you know that I'm not picky. Uh, I heard you as I walked away that you had a, a fuck ton of Miller High Life, so uh, God bless and God speed, friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I threw together a uh, Bombay Sapphire and Tonic because, uh, as per usual, that is what I drink. Uh, however, anytime, and everyone knows this, this is the principle of expediency, but anytime you try to do something quickly, you always make a giant mess and therefore have to clean it up. So uh, I made a giant mess and had to clean it up, so that's why it took so long. And that probably uh, made it take more time than if you would have just done it carefully. That is correct. That is always how the principle of expediency works. <laughs> I'm cl- I'm uh, claiming this principle. Uh, everyone knows. It. Just everyone understand this. This is my principle. You have to refer to it as uh, Dan's principle from now on. Yeah. Um. Let me tell you about the very good park that I live near now. Ooh. Go. Uh, how many polka stops are there? Uh, I haven't looked yet. I'm assuming there are several. Um, but I went there after work today with my wife, my wife, and, uh, we, there is a covered bridge there that it was like a historic covered bridge that they, I guess, relocated from its original place. And, you know, there's like a, there's like a plaque up saying, you know, this was the bridge from so-and-so place. Yeah. This is the bridge uh, from Sleepy Hollow where the headless horseman chucked his pumpkin head at Ichabod Crane. It looked like that. Um, pretty cool though. I like we so we walked through that and uh, sat by that and ate some uh, hummus, and that was like hummus. the only food that I've eaten today. Oh yikes! <laughs> yeah, it's too hot to eat. We're we're getting into summer for sure. Uh, so speaking of poke stops, uh, when I was at Nick's house for four days. I had a wonderful experience of Pokestops, like a dearth of Pokestops very near his home. So I'd go on like a, a 20, 30 minute walk during our during a break during the live stream. And I'd go around and just spin some Pokestops. I fought some Team Rocket people. It was great. Also, uh, let me tell you something. Traveling and playing Pokemon Go, perfect. If you're going through airports, the airports have like balls, tons of fucking Pokemon and Pokestops and gyms. And it's like, oh, this is wonderful. I actually can play this yeah. game as opposed to living at my house where I'm quarantined in and the, the closest Pokestop is like a 15-minute a, a walk down a, a road that I could probably get killed on, so I have to drive there. And uh, One night, uh, it was either last week or the week before, I, I left at like 11.30 because I was like, I need this Pokestop streak for this day. Uh, and I come back and Ashley's like, like upset, like, where the fuck did you go? Why didn't you tell me where you went? I'm like, I literally went to get a Pokestop and came back, and she was like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> what does she know? See, that's what I said. I'm like, what do you, what do you, it's 1130. I was trying not to wake you. Like, I, I assumed you were asleep at 1130. Meanwhile, I just finished playing Modern Warfare. Like, what do you, what do you want from me? 
Paul, play. Okay, no, this is not the call out, Paul. This is not. But Paul reached out to me because he wants me. He wants me to do a, a patron only thing with him, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Uh, but he still hasn't played Warzone with me, and I'm very upset and hurt by this at this point because it's like he's avoiding me. Feel my pain, please. Oh my! Oh my God, Dan. I'm looking at it right now. There's like 12 Pokestops and like five gyms in the park. I'm, I'm moving. <laughs> because, because the way we play Pokemon Go, or where, where you, uh, originally where you were, was that I would just send you gifts because I'm like, well, Caleb needs Pokeballs because he can't spin Pokestops near where he lives because there's just no stops, such as the plight of rural America. And now you have more stops than you can ever imagine. You win. It's true. Although Pokemon Go did have the weird thing of having Pokestops in cemeteries, which uh, I always found to be uh, weird. Yeah. I mean, I already have enough reasons to hang out in cemeteries, so. (laughs) If I don't quit spending so much time in cemeteries, people are going to ask a lot of uncomfortable questions that I can't really answer without incriminating myself. Uh, yikes. Yeah, but if you want to play Pokemon Go with us, uh, I'm just Dan of Action on Pokemon Go. Actually, I, it, you, know, you have to do, like, friend codes and shit. Uh, f- fuck that. You want to be our friend, just post on, just send me a DM. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I have, like, fucking 700 gifts that I don't have enough friends to send to, so. That's because Bill doesn't play anymore. It's because Bill's an idiot. That's true. <laughs> uh, all of my friends on that game are Japanese. Uh, or at least uh, or originating from Japan, because uh, their gifts all come from Japan. Oh, interesting. Which is fine, and I appreciate it. But like, I'd like some more, some more friends, please. Oh, Brentley plays. I forgot about Brentley. Brentley, go be Caleb's friend if you are if you aren't already. Yay, Brentley, be my friend. I love you. All right, Caleb. It is time to talk about the one st- piece of news that we got this week. Oh, shit, it's mail time. Uh, and that piece of news actually affects the internet on a wide scale. As uh, AT&T, uh, noted internet provider, has declared that HBO Max, the streaming service that they own, will not affect data caps, but every other streaming service will. Okay. Net neutrality, Caleb. Net neutrality. It's gone. Yeah. This is, this you remember is, when you remember when that existed? I do. And everything was good. Everything was great, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh well, not anymore. Tell me about how uh, people argued with you about it on Twitter, and then said, "We'll just have to agree to disagree," which is the most infuriating thing that anybody can ever say about anything. Right, because it's recognizing that they're not going to change their opinion, even though they're wrong. Yeah, that that is just saying, hey, this conversation's over. My opinions are as good as your facts. Yes, uh, this this is an affront to net neutrality. And uh, while I do understand the net neutrality was repealed, or not repealed, but revoked back in like 2017, 2018, something like that. It was around the time of like the early Trump administration. Remember the early Trump administration where th- we thought things couldn't possibly get worse and then they did? And now here we are in 2020, and there are people protesting, like, every day. (laughs) You remember when he, like, actually tried to do things, but then, like, no one allowed him to do anything? 
I don't know. It's people always like because I live in a fucking area filled with rednecks um, and idiots. But everybody's like, oh, he's done so much great stuff. Like what? Name two things that he's done. Uh, Got us out of the U.N. That's the number one thing I, I appreciate. But but the trade-off is we also pulled out of the World Health Organization. Well, yes, there, there, then there's that trade-off where it's like, oh, well, we can't be we can't be a part of any organization. It's like, okay, well, that's a little too far. Yeah, I'm sure there are things that he's done that I agree with, but there's many more things that he's done that are abhorrent. He's he's so fucking erratic that it, like he can do a million things and like. Some of them are going to be okay because he just does shit randomly. It seems like. Uh, but Ajit Pai, his FCC commissioner, something like that, uh, chairperson. I don't, I don't fucking know. Uh, basically, was like, "Hey, data's not all equal." Blah blah blah. Get ready for fast lanes, and then uh, we have something not like a fast lane, but this is uh, circumventing data caps and saying this is not all data is created equal. Also, data caps shouldn't be a thing, but that's a different argument for a different time. This is an actual problem. You know, you know, you shouldn't have to incentivize your customers to stream your streaming service that they're already paying for and have your your internet. Like you can say it offers a good value to their customers. However, I would argue that this is a value that shouldn't be offered in the first place because all data should be created equal in the first place. Yeah. When does Internet 2 come out? Dear God, do we need a lot of patches for this thing? No, I mean, just like, I I honestly feel like there's going to be, at some point, like, the internet, which is ruled by corporations, and then there's going to be, like, the public net, which is what the internet used to be. Uh, that's fair. Uh, well, the dark web exists, uh, and no one knows what that means because it's the dark web, so everyone's just kind of scared <laughs> by it. Uh, Sturt goes on the dark web. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know what the dark web is either, but I know it's like if everyone says it's scary, it's like, yeah, it's probably a fine place. Yeah. There's probably the same problems that are on the regular, on the light web. You know, uh, there's still probably, you know, good things that help people. And then there's probably like their version of Facebook and Twitter, which are just cesspools. And then you have like their racist forum boards that, uh, things happen at. Also, there's a thing called the Silk Road, which is just like a fucking website you can go to to buy any drugs, and they'll just send it to you in the mail, and you just get drugs delivered to your house. That's interesting. You can just mail people drugs, because it's like a federal crime to open somebody's mail. Huh. Well then. And like, as long as it's not super obvious, you can just fucking send people drugs. Or... If you want to be a bit more wholesome, you can send them shit at poopsenders.com. <laughs> this shit is delicious. Oh, Agitpie is sleeping and saying you can't eat shit anymore. Bam, bam, bam. So yeah, uh, net neutrality is dead for now. And uh, I don't know if this is the first domino that fell, uh, especially because like, it's been so long since net neutrality has kind of gone away, but uh, this is the first major salvo that's hit. 
in in terms of like streaming services and stuff that's peripheral to our uh habitat yeah. I mean, this is part of the reason, like, honestly, I don't think anybody over, like, the age of 50 should be allowed to hold political office, especially at the rate that, like, technology is expanding, because, like, fucking, these people didn't grow up with computers, and they never bothered to learn about them, or why they're important, or how they work, or how we need them to work. So, right. uh, it's the same reason why, like, I don't think uh, people should be making laws regarding, like, um, the medical system. Like, they're they're not, like, most people who go into political office are, like, come from a law background, or just, like, business nowadays which is also kind of sad but um like you shouldn't be making policy decisions that affects like how medical coverage is handled in our health system if you're not a doctor because you don't know anything about it right so dr tran should run for office is what you're saying he's only four years old dan but he's a real doctor I'm sure the police will understand when they see I'm just a little old lady with a cough drop and a tiny Asian doctor on board. Mm. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm wondering because we have Comcast and they're they're going to have their Peacock service coming out. Uh, that's actually what it's called, Peacock, uh, which is basically their NBC uh, streaming service. So I wonder if something like that will happen whenever that comes out. Uh, like this will happen when that comes out where, uh, you know, Peacock will not count towards your data cap, but everything else will. I just got my internet service hooked up yesterday, so now I'm on the Spectrum. Oh, God, you have Spectrum. Good God. I, I, wish, you, I wish you well. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, don't be surprised to see Netflix partner up with a, probably, I'm going to call Verizon. I'm going to call Verizon is who, who Netflix is going to team up with. And let me be clear here, that's still going to be bad. Like, that's still going to be a bad thing to do because of the the lack of net neutrality, but it's now going to be a necessary evil because everyone else is doing it. So, don't be shocked. Mild shock. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so, hey, no trailers came out this week. Yeah, and uh, we only had the one news, which really was just a bitch fest. It really so. was. I think they. I think Netflix went on like a, a week long uh, hashtag blackout, which it's fine, whatever. Like I understand. I understand why why they did. That. They didn't say anything they were going to be doing that, but that's my assumption based off the fact that I just looked and there is nothing on their YouTube channel for the last week. So, uh, trailers next week maybe we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. Um, why don't we get straight into quick hits? <laughs> did you see did you see me being pedantic in the in the Google Doc? Uh no. Oh. I changed your spelling of parasite to match what they oh, do it, on the show. Oh, is it that? Okay, I didn't realize that. Yeah. All right, well then, since you brought up Pedantic and Parasite, I'll talk about Parasite. So I, w- I started watching it off of your recommendation. I'm four episodes in. It's interesting. It's like The Thing, but as an anime. 
Yeah, it it has shades of that. Um, what was uh, kind of a uh, kind of a they live vibe, I guess. Uh, a little bit. So yeah, it, probably John Carpenter inspired. I'm waiting for a, a trucker yeah. who just starts monologuing over a ham radio to to pop up. <laughs> yeah, uh, nothing really to report. Uh, it's interesting. Although you said last week there was a Netflix original anime. I don't think it's ne- I don't think it's a Netflix original. No, it is it just distributed by or? Um, for now, I think it's like stre- Netflix got streaming rights to it because it was actually okay. on. I can never tell the difference. It was actually on Toonami, uh, in 2016. Oh. So, huh? Yeah, it's it's relatively old. At least in terms of I did not know that internet age. I I looked it up because I was like. 2014, there's no way Netflix is, like... And I was like, oh, Toonami, okay, that makes sense. What do you think of the creature design? Because, like, sometimes it's, like, really, like, just silly and goofy and weird, but then, like, it fucking morphs into, like, a crazy fucking, like, blender hand. Yeah. (laughs) Um... I like the hand. I like what the hand does. It's just like it's. It really is just like a bunch of knives on his hand. But then, like you had that dog that turned into the thing, and it's like, oh, that's fucking cool. Like it has it's sprouted wings. That's awesome. Yeah. Like you have the guy whose head unravels and becomes like a, a scythe blade almost. Yeah, and each one's like just slightly different. So some people like the whole head morphs into like a massive bladed tentacles. Uh, some people like it'll show lines appear on their face and it kind of unfurls into like one big tentacle. So I don't know. Each one's slightly different. And um, I actually really like the creature design a lot. There's a couple that like, uh, it just like the head splits open into like a fucking Demogorgon mouth thing and just like bites people's heads off. It's interesting. So yeah, uh, I'll be checking that out more if uh, next week rolls on. I just threw it on today because I was like, I need something to watch. Hey, I'm glad you're uh, into it. Then I watched, uh, earlier this week, I watched Blood F- Bloodsport, the canon movie classic starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> uh, I'll say this, I really like the fights. The fights are really good, except for yeah. the ending fight, which is just entirely slow-mo for... The only purpose of uh, stretching the runtime out in order to, you know, uh, actually hit ninety minutes. That's other than that, it, like the, all the fights I thought were pretty cool. But Dan, what the hell is a dim mac? Uh, death touch. That's what, <laughs> that's that's what it is. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, there's some really puzzling filmmaking ideas, which are basically like. Uh, when we get that flashback, basically at the beginning of the movie, it, it does the flashback and then cuts back to JCVD's face and then goes mm-hmm. back to the flashback and just keeps doing that for about like 10 minutes. And it's like, just stay in the flashback. Just, you don't have to keep showing. Like, I understand he's the star. We're going to see him throughout the entirety of the rest of the movie. We don't need to see his face every two seconds during the flashback. Just, just stop. Yeah. So, this movie purportedly is based on the real life of Frank Dukes, yep. who was, I think, a major in the U.S. Army. Uh, um, and interestingly, like in recent years, uh, come to find out that Frank Dukes was a fucking liar and none of this ever happened. 
That sounds right because there's no way this was actually true. Like, because they no, they bring no. up his record <laughs> at the end of the movie, and it's like he won 329 fights in a row without being defeated. I'm like, yeah, fucking right. <laughs> yeah, it turns out you can just make up stories. I mean, like. <sighs> It didn't have to be based on anybody. Like, if if you just threw this at me and was like, "This is a thing that happens," I'm like, "Yeah, sure, this is a movie. I believe a, that there's a, a death fight that happens, a death fight tournament that happens. I'm into that." Fucking one v one me. Uh, Final destination, no items. Uh, it's it's. <laughs> I hate to say it's fine, but ultimately it is fine. Like, the the fighting. Like the the actual plot of the movie gets in the way of the fighting, which is where the movie clearly shines. It's like, uh, we got we got to bring him. We got we got these two cops who are trying to bring him back to the United States because he they've the army's invested a lot of time and money in him. Uh, and now we have this reporter lady who he sleeps with and is like, "Hey, don't fight. I won't watch." And then uh, she shows up at the at the next day to watch the fight. Yeah, right. So yeah, uh, like you, like you just did the thing. That you said you weren't gonna do. Yeah, right. Uh, this is why no one takes women seriously. This is a joke. This is a fucking <laughs> joke. This is a joke. This is a this is a joke for misogynists. <laughs> it's true. To Polo Justin, it's a canon movie, but it doesn't excuse any of these things. Like these are still like puzzling script decisions I, and filmmaking fuck. decisions. I hate how he says that as though it means anything. It doesn't mean anything. I love you, Justin, but it means nothing. A movie is a movie is a movie. So yeah, uh, ultimately it's fine. Like I was perfectly entertained by it. Uh, so there's that. Uh, and the final, okay. uh, the final movie I watched is a Netflix original movie. It's a Netflix movie. <laughs> uh, the Last Days of American Crime. This stars the guy who played Gianni Versace in the Ryan Murphy directed uh, show run uh, show, uh, the assassination of Gianni Versace. Uh, and let me tell you something. This movie is some straight balls. This is uh, arguably worse than Coffee and Kareem. Oh, good. I'm glad I made the correct decision in skipping this entirely. So, uh, number one problem with this movie. It is 149 minutes. Jesus. Uh, for, for the layman. How? That is two hours and 29 minutes. I don't know how. Is is the true answer to this question? Who the fuck. fuck took a script that basically was ninety minutes perfectly? Like all they had to do was set up your main character, set up his set up his uh, sidekick character guy, uh, and then just do an Ocean's Eleven movie. Instead, uh, they bog you down from the beginning of the movie by setting up the main character's backstory. Uh, Continually setting it up and setting it up and setting it up. Okay, now we got to talk about the, the, the female character who uh, uh, she becomes the love interest for no fucking reason whatsoever. It seems like they have no chemistry whatsoever, and then all of a sudden they're in love. Um, then we got to set up the, 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 main, the, the, the other sidekick character, uh, and, and he has daddy issues because his dad is the, the owner. Uh, he runs the, the crime family for the city, and then, and then it's, it's just... And then, oh, oh, okay, now we're finally getting to the heist, and things are happening, and I don't care anymore, because you've wasted all of my time getting to this point. There is no excusable reason to have this movie at 
Two hours and 29 minutes. This should have been an hour and 40 minutes tops. There's too much subplot in this movie, and it just drags the whole experience down. I fucking hated myself 40 minutes in for starting to watch this. 149 minutes is long enough for the Fellowship of the Ring to travel by Rither to Parth Galen and for Boromir to, to confront Frodo regarding the One Ring. Right. You, you would be much better served <laughs> watching fel- the Fellowship of the Ring. 100%. Uh, I have a funny anecdote about the Fellowship of the Ring. So we were watching it on VHS in my house because it's like, I don't know. Uh, but I have the VHS for it, and we're watching it. And my dad's staying up through the whole thing, and he's in like, uh, we get to the end, and it's just Frodo and Sam like cresting a hill, and the, it cuts to credits, and my my dad goes, "Wait, that's it?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, there's two. There's gonna be two more movies." He's like, "You're telling me I stayed awake for that whole thing, and there isn't a definitive end." <laughs> <laughs> There's a definitive end. It's it's a saga. It's a saga. He didn't. We didn't see two towers together, but he took me to see Return of the King because I desperately wanted to see Return of the King. He fell asleep three times. My my mom made me go with her to the theater to watch Fellowship of the Ring five times because she was in love. She hated my father and was in love with Viggo Mortensen. I mean, who isn't? <laughs> Have you seen Aragorn in those yeah. movies? Yeah, and also my father was terrible. Uh, that's true. Uh, oh, did you know that uh, during the filming of Fellowship of the Ring that uh, apparently Sean Bean was terrified of being in helicopters? Yes, I, I also so saw he this, would just, this thread on Reddit. He would just, yeah, 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 yeah. But like, um, also because like Boromir took like a fucking way longer journey than everybody else. Like it made his armor look way more authentic because it would get natural wear and tear yes. from him hiking everywhere in full gear. Yeah. Cool. Reddit thread. It is. Uh, yeah. If you're unaware and don't read it, uh, Sean Bean would take, would refuse to take helicopters and just climb mountains in order to yeah. shoot for this movie in full fucking armor. What a champion with his shield. What a fucking champion. Yeah. Like they there was one point where like I guess the whole cast like were going up the side of the mountain on a ski lift and just saw Sean being under them and just like waved. <laughs> yeah, he would also take ski lifts at, at points too. So Yeah. Uh to to wrap out on the last days of American crime, uh the script sucks. Like actually sucks because when you have this kind of movie, typically your main character is dry, one note, uh, and very wooden and doesn't do anything. Uh, and to compensate for that, you have this character that's overly eccentric and annoying. And uh, you have that here, and they mesh together and they suck. They, uh, their chemistry is terrible. The, the cam work is bad, like really bad. Like It's a two-and-a-half-hour two movie. Like, at some point, just tighten up your camera work or, you know, hit the editing room. Like, you don't have to keep everything you shot, bud. You, you, you can cut out some stuff. Some, sometimes, some stuff is bad and doesn't work and doesn't flow with the movie. It's fine. You can, you can admit mistakes. It happens. Everyone should be able to admit, admit mistakes. You needed to, and you clearly didn't, and you conned Netflix out of whatever amount of money they gave you. Uh, finally... There, while there is action in this movie, it's all boring. 
oh my god, none of the none of the action A raises tension or B is interesting to look at. It's just bland garbage. This movie sucks. It will pro it, it will most definitely be on my worst of the year list. Uh and for that, I give it a one. Big oof. So yeah, uh if you haven't already. Please avoid The Last Days of American Crime. It is a train wreck that you are going to want your money back for, but then you remember that you watched uh, all of Ozark Season 3 this month, and uh, you can't get your money back from Netflix. <laughs> That's true. Well, I didn't watch Dick because fucking didn't have the time or the uh, bandwidth because I just hooked my internet up yesterday. Yeah, that's fair. All right, Dan, let's cut into a quick break. And when we come back, we will be joined by our guest host, Colby Mack, to review Space Force, the new Netflix original show with Stephen Carell. It's very funny. Everybody enjoy it. Laugh very much at it. Let's see, Alex. Uh, what do you think of Jaws, which is at 97% Rotten Tomatoes? I find it to be anti-shark propaganda. What do you feel about the Entourage movie, which is at a meager 33%? I think they finally got Hollywood right. How about It Follows, 97%. Worse than your parents giving you the sex is evil talk. How do you feel about Juno, which is at 94%? That would be a movie that celebrates a teenage homewrecker. Uh, how about Bewitched at 25%? Best television adaptation ever put to film. How do you feel about American Hustle? The towering 93%. Overwrought awards bait. Righteous Kill, 19%. The movie that Michael Mann wishes he had made when he created Heat. Sounds about right. I'm Julio. I'm Alex, and we are the Contrarians. As you can tell, our thing is that we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Regardless of what we really feel. Find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Facebook, Twitter, we're everywhere. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to get into our main review topic for the week, Space Force, starring Steve Carell. But we can't do it alone, so we've enlisted a little bit of help. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, and I'm finally back on the Netflix and Swill podcast. Boots on the moon! Boobs <laughs> on the moon. Get it right, Colby. Yeah. Damn it. It's good it's good to be black on the Netflix and Swole podcast. Oh my god. Oh, you're damn right it is. <laughs> That's a joke from the show. That is a, that is a that joke from the show. That didn't play well for me, but no, it's you're, fine. No, you're you're very white. Yeah. Well, that's very true. <laughs> Colby, how are you? Yo, man, I I'm good. I actually just got off of a 6-hour road trip. Driving back oh, to damn. Atlanta from Orlando. It was raining 80% of the time, as it always does whenever I'm trying to uh, drive back home. And, of course, the scariest, the scariest moments of my month is when I'm driving from Orlando um, in between North Florida and South Georgia. Can you guess why? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Possibly something to do with stars and bars. Yeah. I mean, Speaking yeah. of, I mean, with everything going on nowadays, we don't, we try not to use this show to, as like a platform to make political statements, but I'm just, I'm really glad that you're safe and you're doing well. And yes. just as, as a black creator, like I'm just so happy that you're using your voice and that you're, you know, 
I, I love you and I love everything you do. Amen. Thank you for being you. Hey, thank you very much um, for enjoying me. Uh, that's the thing that I committed to do um, when I started my podcast journey back in November of 2018 was just be authentically me. And if people really cared, they'll show it in their support and their love. And you guys, like so many others, have really just like reaffirmed the great decision that I make in the circle of people that I put around myself because there's been an abundance of overwhelming support. People have reached out to express care, to ask me questions, to create dialogue and, you know, show support in their own way. This is difficult. And I know sometimes people can feel really burdened by if they, if they're not a political podcast, you don't want to interject that into like your space. Um, but if I can just tell you guys, the things that are going on right now in this world is not a political thing. Being in the public space, like putting our voices out there is inherently political. Mm. I guess that's true. Like, like no matter how much you try to keep it out, well, like that, that, we that, are. That, that is true. That, I, I, feel, I feel what you mean. Unfortunately, even though your intention is not to be political, it's like this is a human rights thing. We are so tribalistic right now in our society. It is hard to like have your own thought without someone that's ready to defend against it. Right. Yeah. And right. I think I think that's the part that's kind of unfortunate. But like you guys are allies, you're advocates. Um, I enjoy our friendship, our podnership. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and um, I'm really it's really great to be back. Yeesh. You know, for the past couple of weeks, it's been tough trying to find time that's moving away from the fight that I feel like I have to have, but then still like trying to take care of like my my self care. And spending time with this, talking about movies and TV shows, whether they're good or they're bad, it is nice to be able to have a breather. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. It's We're honored to have you. We love having you on the show. Yeah. It's been a while. What the fuck, man? It's been three months, <laughs> if that. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, God. Shit. You were on for uh, To All the Boys, P.S. I Still Love You, which was... That was February. Yeah, yeah that was uh, uh, a little bit. Uh, so Some, more like four months. Just, it was like it was like I think it was like yeah, like maybe like the second or third week in February. It's, yeah. Man, this is, See, uh, I, I have the opposite effect right now. I'm supposed to record with Gerald in a couple days for two peas, mm -hmm. and uh, I was like, yeah, we just did one like what two three months ago, and he's like, dude, it's been seven months since you were on the show, <laughs> and I was like, you have got to be fucking kidding. I yeah, know, right? man. It is, it is it is nuts. My entire concept of time has been ruined since COVID. I mean, yo, 2020. I'm so ready for this year to be over with. Like, it's yeah. really not what I thought it was gonna be. I mean, I'm taking it, but man, oh man, like the loss of time, the loss of movies at the movie theater. I mean, I'm glad that at least. Shows are coming out. Yeah, I just I I, mean, I probably wish I mean, they were I, a little bit better. You, there's a there's a lot of things that like I missed putting on my 2020 bingo card for all the terrible shit that was going to happen. So I'm going to just call it now. <laughs> July plague of locust. Oh my god! I'm just putting it out there. See, we didn't know how good we had in 2020, uh, 2019. We were like, oh man, 2019. This year sucks. Can't wait for 2020. 2020 epic disaster. Yeah. If oh. if you're asking me personally, I don't think we've really had it good since 2016, but uh that's mm. neither here nor there. Uh Space Force is a television show. Yep. It is. Sure, sure is. I mean, I was excited. I was really really excited for it. I I will say that. Uh like, that's I heard fair. about it, the marketing that was leading up to it, the little cool icon. I was like, "All right." Because one, 
I did not think, I mean, our president has said some really outlandish things, but when he actually instituted that we're going to have a new branch of the military, mm-hmm. and he said it without laughing. I mean, that, take, that, takes, that takes something special about somebody. Space Force. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to think, we, we lambasted it then, but little did we know the horrors that would befall us since. <laughs> You're not wrong. Uh, Space Force is a 2020 comedy television show uh, about the people tasked with creating a sixth branch of the armed services, the Space Force. Uh, this is a Netflix original. It is 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh, a whole whopping 1.6 stars above Tall Girl. Uh, stars Steve Carell, John Malkovich, uh, Ben Schwartz. Fucking uh, a bunch of people are in this, actually. Yeah, it's a very ensemble cast outside of, you know, you still have your two big stars in Malkovich and uh, Steve Carell. And I, I guess I'm throwing Sonic under the bus. Sonic, you, you get a pass, too. When did everybody think of Space Force? I mean, it's a force trying to get to space. I got to commend yeah. it for being that. Bo- boots on the moon by 2024. Yep. Boots on the moon by 2024. The show was very uh, boring and not funny and not good. <laughs> Sh- uh, sure. Well, uh, I'll, I'll go with tell uneven. Tell us how you really feel. I'll say uneven because like, when you see Greg Daniels, creator of The Office, and main star of The Office, you think bombastic, over-the-top, ridiculous workplace comedy. Instead, what you get is an attempt at a satire of how ridiculous the American government can be. And it, I don't know if it works. And, and for Caleb, I don't think it works at all. It tried. I, I'll definitely give it that. <laughs> Um, it, it's, it's got the patented Netflix pr- like production values. Like, oh, that looks like a well-produced TV show, but it almost kind of looks like a movie when it's shot sometimes. Yeah. And I was excited for this. It's got Steve Carell. What could you not like about him? Right. It's got John Malkovich. Like, I've really turned around on Ben Schwartz. You know, it's got the chick from Booksmart, you know? Yeah. It's got that Asian guy from Fantasy Island. And that was like, oh. Oh man! I don't know if that's what you want to be oh, known man. from. I don't know. I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, you know. So like, I still you mean kinda, Blumhouse's still like, Fantasy Island? Yeah. <laughs> you know what's weird is that when I think of a really good sitcom like The Office, right? What I think would made that show special is that even though it was situational comedy, I felt like the story progressed based off the characters' individual goals in a particular episode, right? What is Shroot trying to do? You know, what is Pam trying to get? Like, you know, like, and all that. Like, that's that's what I think was really great. Obviously, with Michael Scott driving most of that, you know, he is trying to exert his authority inside of this office space, right? And here in Space Force, they're trying to get situational comedy strictly from the situation the characters come secondary. So what ends yeah. up happening is that I don't get attached to any of these characters. Not even a general Mark R. Nair. And... The purpose, doing it purposely of like giving like these really funky names, that should have been funny, but it felt so forced because it really wasn't earned. Like I, I didn't care enough about anybody. And it's really unfortunate because I feel like there's some really great performers here, but mm-hmm. when you decide to get your comedy from strictly the situation and not have your characters 
and what they're going through drive the story, then you're left with like a, huh. The like, show was so strange for me because it felt like the things they tried to set up as gags completely fell flat. But like the stuff that they, it seemed like they were trying to play straight was the funny parts to me. Oh my God, yes. And that, like, that's just such a weird, off-putting energy. Yeah, the the show kept, it had this kind of weird, you, you said it right, the energy was just, it was so, I don't know, man. Like, it reminded me a lot of the Orville, except I find the Orville a little bit funnier. Like, it's definitely written funnier. Do you guys watch the Orville on Fox? No. Seth MacFarlane? Uh, I have, it's been recommended to me so many times, but no, I have not. It's definitely, it's it's more hit than miss, but... Sometimes the energy just feels a little bit off because with the way that that show is, it does a little bit more with its characters. I just, it just doesn't know exactly what it wants to be, right? And I feel the same thing with Space Force. I yes. don't know what Space Force wants to be. Like, so what's the mission? Yeah, Boots on the Moon in twenty, you know, 24. So are you thinking that you're getting four like solid seasons out of this? Like, I want to spend, you know, if you're going to chart it out, give me these 10 episodes as the first year. I was having a tough time trying to understand where we were in time. Like, mm-hmm. oh, they're already like years in. So when we first see, you know, Steve Carell get this job that he kind of doesn't want, or he, I guess he does kind of want it from the other guy that's a jerk. There's a lot of jerks in the show. Yes. Is it making fun of this is the thing? I don't know if it's making fun of the current administration, because if it is, it's not doing it hard enough. You feel me? Uh, I, yeah, I think it's trying to stay apolitical. And, and like, which sort of nudge it. at the fact that like, oh, it's it's the Trump administration, you know, like, oh, we're, we're all these ridiculous, like they mentioned in the first episode, uh, the president's about to tweet something. So that's how you know it's official. Like, it, it's yeah. clearly making reference to him, but it's it's doing so in a way that it's not going far enough Just, to actually pull you into that yeah, kind of be world. be brave enough to say Trump. Like they keep just saying POTUS. Yeah. Like, be brave enough to just make the fucking joke you are obviously trying to make. Yeah. Because there's so much more comedy to, to mine from there. Like, there's so much. And this show is, like, tap dancing around all of this gold that they could be really playing with. And, like, the character that I find myself, like, really looking forward to most is John Malkovich, Dr. Adrian Mallory. Mm-hmm. I, I find him not necessarily fascinating, but, like, he's the big draw because... There's stuff that, you know, you know, General Mark is doing. I'm just like, all right, bro. Like, are you doing a Pence impression mixed with like a General Mattis impression? I don't know. I'm not really feeling the voice. And then sometimes I am. I'm indifferent. Yeah. I didn't want that feeling watching Space Force. Right. You want it to lean in full force. And maybe that's because this is a first season of a sitcom show. They're trying to find their footing. Like, I mean, we saw this with The Office. Like, the first season of The Office wasn't great. Yeah. The, the first season of Parks and Rec wasn't great. But they, True. as they carried on, they they built upon themselves and got better. And this is one of those shows, like we, like uh, Tuca and Birdie, for instance. Tuca and Birdie got the axe really quick, and it's a sitcom, an animated sitcom that you know didn't really have a chance to build on itself. This is so big that Netflix is not going to let this fail after one season. So it's going to get oh, the second no. season to f- potentially find its footing. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll say this, you know. <laughs> Netflix, I, I, I still don't understand quite <laughs> their finances. I'm gonna this show you. looks expensive. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But yo, yo, how much is it? Like, I, I need I'm, maybe you know, I'll enlist you to do the research. How much does it cost to make this show? Because like I'm talking about the the sets. This, 
there's a lot going on here. Yeah. They're, they've never released anything like that. They've never released budgets or anything. Like, we're lucky to even get number, like, number of viewers for shows. <laughs> so we're never going to get budgets unless someone comes in and says, you have to start reporting budgets. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one, it's a really big cast. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't end up, you know, there were some people that, you know, I knew that were going to be inside of the show. Um, oh my God, I was the dude from Trevor Noah, goodness gracious. Um, black guy, fro, that's horrible. I should know black people like the back of my hand. Oh, my black card is being revoked as I speak. This is not good. Not good at all. It's making me look real, real bad. But, um, yeah. So, but yeah, like, I, I, I just wanted, why the fuck is he not coming? There we go. Rory Jr. See, that tells you, like, he could, he was only in there for two episodes. And I'm like, he's gold. Use him. Right. I, I think uh, I think that's what's missing from this show is we don't have enough people having identity crises on the show. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I'm, I'm looking through like the episode count and I mean, obviously we could get to like Lisa Kudrow. Mm-hmm. Which that's yeah, supposed to be which- a joke. <laughs> like her it being is. in prison is supposed to be a joke, but it's like we don't understand why. And like, but that's not funny. Well. That's one thing I honestly kind of enjoy that, like, they didn't have to come right out and say why she's in prison. It's just they moved to this shithole and then she went to jail. Like, obviously something happened there. I don't need to know what, but they're going to tell me in the second season and I'm going to stop caring about that plot point. Oh, yeah. Right. I don't know. Lisa Kudrow's presence in the show at all is like, so fucking weird because like obviously she's a recognizable name who like she hasn't done a whole whole hell of a lot she since does friends get, she does a lot of some of the other spots. cast members yeah. yeah yeah she does like these little bit parts and things but um oh shit she was in book smart too yeah she was uh the mom yeah the mom yeah it's like they try to utilize her for things, but they put her in prison so she can't do really anything to affect the plot right. overall. Well, you know, we're, we're watching through Arrested Development right now, and that's a good example of a oh show that God. knows how to use a character from prison and make oh them a Lord, part of yes. the show. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yes, Papa Bluth. Like, okay. What Jeffrey Tambor does... In and out of the show, it completely adds because he's the one thing that is, he's inciting so many different things because of how like duplicitous he is and like what he hasn't revealed to Michael and everything. Like, so it's, that's what should have been. Like, we should have been mining the, like, okay, if you're going to keep this mystery, we don't understand why she's in prison, then I need all these individual characters to like at least be craving why and like how is that affecting, you know, Mark's performance and like what's Mark's goal in this show? Because if it's just to get boots on the you know boots on the moon till twenty twenty four, we need more than that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, does he want to get his wife out? Like, is there somebody who's like directly trying to undermine him? Because the undermining from the other guy, it comes Graviston. in like every other. Yeah, oh god, th- that name, Graviston. <laughs> Who? <laughs> yeah, Graviston. I don't know. Fucking Steve Carell is your big draw in this yes. show. Like, give him something to do. Other than like just being disappointed and singing like golden oldies yeah. in a high pitched voice every other scene, which which they try so hard to play that as a joke and it's yeah. never funny. 
it falls flat every time. I'm just like, yeah. I don't know. And it should and be endearing, especially it. like with, um, oh yeah, it, it comes up at like the weirdest times. And I'm like, I, I don't get it. Like make it something like it's like a, a nice little quirk where it's like a full ensemble, like a la, you know, Zoe's yeah. incredible playlist or something like that. Right. Like uh, that, that's, let's go that route. Yeah. Right? There's, you know, there's one thing in this show that I thought worked incredibly well. And that is every scene that features John Malkovich. Yeah, he's great. I love him. I love it. I love the humanity his character brings to the show. It's like it's yeah, obviously a branch he's of the fantastic. military, but like mm-hmm. he's that humanistic element that they need to balance out the military part of Space Force. Yeah, like he's the reason and logic behind. Like you know, when everything happened in 2016, I had to give some faith. Like, all right, listen, there's nothing we could do now. I'm pretty sure that there's going to be some good people that are going to outweigh the bad ones, right? And dealing with this show that's talking about this branch, everybody who's a higher up, you would believe if they're appointed to those positions, you know, typically going to be right-leaning, right? Yep. And this guy, John Malkovich, would be like, I'm science. I don't pick a side, right? It's purely logic. So seeing his frustrations constantly being like, you know, you know, um, you know, you know, one hand behind his back to try to do his job. Yeah. It's great. Him trying to balance the budget and stuff like that. Like, you know, like that was really, really good. I would almost like it's almost as if like that should have been the center of the show. A guy who we focus on that is stuck in this right leaning world and he doesn't choose a side and like, all right, I just want to be there because whatever Steve Carell's was doing or was asked to do inside of the script, it just it didn't have enough punch to really like really like support it. And it's not him. I, he's like he's not the problem. No, it's this story. It's 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 this right. story is weak. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it any better. Like the best moments of this show are when him and Steve Carell's characters kind of reach that middle ground and like learn to respect each other that more, yeah. that much more, and like connect. And then we um, get like these ha- like the like Steve Carell is trying everything he can with with these certain like they'll give him like a monologue like every episode that's like basically like the the moral of the story. And, and like mm-hmm. they'll do that slow Oscar zoom because you, you can always tell what what they're going for for like their Emmy or Oscars <laughs> clip. Like it's always that slow zoom in, always. The slow zoom really gets their dicks hard, right? Like, <laughs> but like you you watch that and you're like, they're really trying here, and I get what they're going for, but it's just like we we built to this moment on uh, piles of trash, and like you you've put like. This this golden arc on this pile of trash, and now all people are going to focus on is the pile of trash underneath it. Like, I'm not sure you guys know what you were doing with this. Yeah, you know what's weird? What was kind of endearing about Michael Scott in The Office is that this is a guy who's a leader, but it's almost like, how did you get to this point? Like, he's so bumbling, right? He's so, He has such, like, weird interpersonal skills. And then every now and then, there'd be this, like, humanity that comes out of Michael. We're just like, you can't not like this guy because ultimately, from his heart, like, he cares about everybody. He just doesn't know how to do the job, right? Like, yeah. What The Office did for me is, like, I will never forget. It's one of the funniest moments, and I will laugh repeatedly, is when Michael's inside of the conference room and everybody's assembled, and he's trying to get Stanley's attention. And obviously nobody has respect for him. And you're you're exactly know what we're gonna do. And he's trying to get Stanley, Stanley, leave me alone, leave me alone, leave me alone, damn it. Did I stutter? Yeah. I fucking died. <laughs> the, oh my god. And because ultimately it was so funny, but you're like, yo, 
somehow this show, this bumbling idiot that deserves no respect, we all knew that Stanley crossed the line. And we were like, yo, Michael then comes over to him like, listen, man, I completely, it was such like a human thing. Here you have General Mark. I don't know if he's supposed to be an idiot and like unfit for the job or just like everybody else around him is unfit for the job, but they're not unfit enough. And then you have some folks that like, it's just unbelievable that you're there. Like all those little side characters that like the, the white, the pale white guy with the red hair, some old dude out of nowhere. Who's like a, a like one, the entire crux that somehow in this season we decided, yes, let's actually man the shuttle with completely. <laughs> well, that's an Armageddon <laughs> reference. And, and like, that's all they were going True. for yeah. was a simple Armageddon reference. But like they, they did not earn to, like they didn't earn one. That's something that should have been in like season three. There's there's yeah. so much to do just trying to build the program, yeah. right? Like there's time hops. Oh, it's so weird. It like I I honestly feel like the episodes. I feel like they're in chronological order, but I feel like there's like six to seven months between each individual episode because it just be. jumps that much. Yeah. I mean, one, the time and funding it takes to build like this city behind the desert. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to assume because when, when, when was Space Force announced, right? Like, was it 2018 or something like that? 2019? Uh, maybe? 2019. Who, okay. Who the fuck knows? President Dipshit says so many things so quickly. <laughs> True. <yeah. laughs> oh, oh, do you mean Space Force like Trump himself or the show? Well, I think even like either or, I think maybe it could have been no more than a year apart, right? Yeah, I feel I like Space Force takes- was like late 2017 and Space Force was announced, the, the show was announced in 2019. It's, it just, it feels weird. There's, there's this clock of time that I think audiences need so that way we can kind of keep up with things, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And then understand, like one, what's important about the clock is that there's a level of like, um, there's like, there's like this grace that we give to a show that if a character's going through certain emo, you know, certain emotions, we know that time has passed. So that like, like that, that goes on. I have no idea where we are, how this helicopter pilot is now captaining this, you know, this space shuttle only because right. yeah. the, Chi- the, Ch- the Chinese, you know, got to the moon first. You can't become a rocket ship pilot. By having been a helicopter pilot. No. They're two very distinct skill sets. I like the character a lot. Yes. Yeah. But that's not a thing <laughs> that happens. And we can't suspend enough disbelief <laughs> to make it a thing. Like in episode two, she says, I want to be like, I want to be an astronaut. Yeah. And, and then she starts eight, learning like botany. And then suddenly she's an astronaut. Yeah, it's weird. I did like the budding relationship that she had, you know, with Dr. Chan, right? I was like, I, mm-hmm. I kind of like where that went because I did not expect it. But I didn't get enough of it. Yeah. It took too long to get there. And, and, and for where it was coming from, it kind of felt, you know, a little out of place. But okay, I, I, I just have to throw this out there. Me and Dan, like when we were in college, we watched a series of YouTube videos about a character called Dr. Tran. Yes. Who was just like this little animated character who, uh, like, he was, uh, 
he was just a little kid living in like Southeast Asia, but there was like a narrator voice that like started saying all this shit about him. And the kid was just like, none of that's true. And then it was like, Oh, Dr. Tran, he's like the number one action star in America. And this kid's like, what are you talking about? I've never been to America. There's a whole series of like these animated shorts featuring this character and they're fucking hilarious. Every time in this show that they said Dr. Chan, I could not fucking hold my shit together. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At least he's like, he's, he's competent, right? Like he wasn't, you know, he's, he's got it together. I feel like everybody on the science side is good. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It makes sense. I think that's the problem is that the science side feels like it has nowhere to go because when you like, they even say it basically within the show, like no one cares about the science. Like we get like uh, that, that war game scenario where we have the scientists and they win and everyone's like, no one gives a shit war games. And it's like, well, that's how (laughs) that's the show's general uh, thoughts on the science (laughs) itself. Cause like none of them are really developed uh, uh, outside of like a few punchlines. And we're basically stuck with all the astronauts, which like they eventually become astronauts, but how like we don't see them go through (laughs) zero G training or G force training or anything like that. Where did the uh, where did the real astronauts go? So like uh, like it would have been great if it's like oh we had these real astronauts that were being like jerks to like everybody around and then they got like food poisoning and they couldn't go or whatever and it's like <laughs> like like there was no reasoning as to why I'm we had sure to go they're great with- astronauts but they don't know jack about drilling true right like something like that would have been amazing and just just to riff off of that but we turned to a custodian and a housekeeper with like really shady pasts. And the helicopter pilot, and like this this random old dude, you know, yeah, uh, it's it's weird. And don't even the Russian guy, like he's clearly not, he doesn't have good intentions. No, and it's kind of cute what he does with his character. But like, I'm sorry, maybe because I have a kid, I'm just very sensitive to like this whatever relationship that he has mm-hmm. with uh, with 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 his daughter. She I'm needed to that. be college age. That's yeah. Why? What was the choice to make in her high school age? I have no fucking clue. Just so she can complain about not having Just, friends. Yeah, so she could be rebellious. But like, why is it acceptable that this junior? They they say she's a junior in high school is dating this Russian military man who's trying to like literally get close to her dad just to get intel. And we're not supposed to bring that up. Yeah, uh, it's creepy. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they say that she's 16. Gross. It 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 really is, and I'm just like, I don't get it. And like, plus we have another another show with a shitty teenager who's just shitty for no reason. I just got finished watching Ozark like a couple of months ago, and I didn't want to revisit another shitty teenager who makes all these dumb decisions because she's just upset at life for no. Oh my god, it was really. I mean, I I would say. I would say that teenagers aren't really like that, but I remember being a teenager and I was exactly like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> we like to think of ourselves as better than we were, but then we actually remember back and you're like, oh no, that was pretty fucking awful. Yeah. I was I was a real annoying little shit. You think I'm bad now. Good take, you think take 15 years bad. off me. You think that's bad. I dropped that on Ashley about a hundred times during our Fast and Furious series. <laughs> She, she's like, oh, man, I'm really hating the Fast and the Furious, and I'm thinking the Tokyo Drift. I'm like, you think that's bad? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
I don't know. It's it's she's just she's just a weird character. I yeah. I, I wish I would know like what is everybody's motivation, and then that would kind of give me some more. You know, like it, it would it would it would give me like a nobody like a seems to have a motivation. Yeah, no, this, yes. this series is so fucking slapdash. Like they threw it together as a fucking I don't know what the budget for the show was, but like right. as like a fucking fifty million dollar joke about the president saying some stupid shit one time, and like it it's it's so like uneven and poorly written and just weird like weirdly executed yeah nothing in it works no you know you know i i kind of liked seeing all the six branches together like with jane lynch and the, you know, the homie chief from, of staff uh, yeah yeah the chief of staff like and one yeah. they all keep shitting on I the national guard the, <laughs> the, it was the coast guard the coast guard coast guard gotcha. <laughs> i felt bad for him because that was uh i i came really close to joining the coast guard i think i remember I was, that like, right out of college but uh but like at the time it was really weird because like every coast guard recruiting office closed down in like the entire northeast apparently huh Oh, which is really weird because they patrol Lake Erie like you would think that they would have a recruiting station there. It's a pretty big coast, right? Yeah. (laughs) Damn. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like there was I'm not going to say like I didn't laugh. Like I've definitely laughed throughout. Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah, it's 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 such a it's such an odd feeling where you want a show just to have this very strong and convicted direction. And when you don't get it from the show or from like really any of the characters. Except, you know, for what John Malkovich was doing, it's tough to like feel investment and to buy into the world. And like the one thing that I'll give for like, maybe it's easier on me. Like when I watch TV shows, I give a lot of grace because like I just want to be invested in the characters in the world and I'm not invested in almost any of these characters except for a couple. And I'm like really not invested in this world. I could give a shit what happens like, like on that side. I I don't care. And you reverse you know, that like, for movies, where it's like a movie is only a certain amount of time. Like, show me mm-hmm. things that happen, and if you invest me in characters, so be it. But just make the thing yes. cohesive and coherent. Absolutely, it, man. It's, it's so weird, man. And I don't want to feel like I'm dunking on it. I just, I'm, I think maybe my expectations were too high. Y- yes, almost. I think, and that's the that, that's the problem with the show itself is that I think it mismanaged expectations because when you lead with. From the creator of The Office and Steve Carell, you think, okay, this has to be something, maybe not on the lines of The Office, but still something great. And when you get something that, to me, is at least middling, you're very disappointed by it, and you you wind up coming in lower on it than you would anticipate. Anybody watch The Morning Show on Apple TV Plus? Uh, I have Apple TV Plus. Uh, I bought. I just bought a new iPhone, uh, so I have to activate okay. that. But I will hopefully watch it. The problem is that none of my game consoles have that app, and I find that stupid. Mm. Like that's. Yep. I think that's just bad business. You, like I think you should have your app everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I, I, I was asking mainly because you know with having Steve Carell having such like a successful movie career, and to see him return back to TV. With, from what I guess from the morning show, it's it's a much more dramatic show. With this kind of going back to what we really fell in love with him. I mean, mm-hmm. granted, you know, it's no Evan Almighty, um, right? One hundred percent correct. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's it, it's just it's just tough. Um, 
this it's just it's not a good character and there's just not good characters not good characters not a good world um and there's still laughs you know because like Mm -hmm. it's it's almost like you want to laugh out of respect and sometimes it it gets you yeah you know It, it, it it does but yeah and and then there's there's too many other characters that try to come in and add something like his little uh his fling who's like a construction worker or something yeah, like the, that a, a Kristen Wig type yeah <laughs> civilian <Yep>. contractor <laughs> civilian contractor <laughs> yeah not Kristen Wig that didn't work y- yeah and and not only that but they didn't devote any time to it and like maybe that has something to do yeah. with the fact this is only 10 episodes but like with a net you yeah, feel like with a network it's show it's like everything else in the show it's it's not earned right yeah and it's it's weird cuz like one if i compare it to the show that i watched before this that i finished really quickly was dead to me now granted it was in its second season but it dealt with its characters differently one it's a dark it's a darker comedy right comparatively to space force Space Force doesn't feel like a comedy. There's a lot of really heart-wrenching moments in it that I was like, was not expecting. Like, I mean, Mark is very contemplative for being a general, mm-hmm. right? Like, I thought it was cute, the little quirks that he tries to add. Like, you know, remember in the first episode, he gets out of his bed, and he makes his bed just to go, like, use the bathroom, and then comes back into mm-hmm. his bed. Like, I'm like, oh, so he's going to be that guy. But then I don't feel yeah. like they always commit to it, you know? Like, I want him to be the overly saluter, or like, constantly run, where, like, nobody can be able to keep up with them, and, and stuff like that. So, it, it's, it's weird. I feel like I can see them trying stuff, and it never fully commits to it, where, like, in other shows, Christina Applegate, what she does with that character, she fully commits to yep. it, and, like, it, it, it just works. And I don't understand how this did it. I I almost feel like there's a disconnect in the writers' room where like you go from one episode to the next. Like there there's one episode where Steve Carell is running the entire episode, but then like the next yeah. episode he's just like walking, like lackadaisical, doesn't care. And like if you kept up these personality quirks, like may, like I could get more invested in him. Like if you show me quirkiness without it being overbearing, like you you know uh, always making his bed when he leaves it, and then like coming to the, ba- the bathroom and like coming back and oh, getting back in like that that stuff was like interesting. I'm like, oh, that's an interesting character trait. But then they forgot about it. Uh, yeah, it's like, what are you doing? Like, you have an interesting character here if you just keep that going. Like, he's an overly military man, but he's also very contemplative. Like, it's an oxymoron in and of itself. Mm-hmm. J- just go with that. They're trying to almost portray him as like two different characters. Like there, there's the aspect of him that's hyper disciplined, and there's the aspect of him that's like completely clueless as to what he's doing, and like those two things don't gel together. No. Um, I don't know. I'm tired of talking about this shit. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't blame you, man. Let us run around to ratings and final thoughts, uh, Colby. You are the guest, so we'll start with you. You know what I always love when I get a chance to talk about folks before I put my review out? Is that I'm completely open to having my mind change, whether that's for the better or the worse. And as I'm fleshing out my thoughts, I initially settled at a 6 out of 10 mm-hmm. for this show. And on the Kobe Tell Me rating, that's a fine slash okay yeah. product. Yep. But the more and more I think about it, especially with the things that matter a lot to me when I digest TV or film, characters, and like really investing in that world because it didn't do that. I got to drop it down to a five, which is, I love my, I love this rating. Not a good movie, but also not a bad movie. In this instance, not a good first season, but it's not a bad first season. 
it's a starting point where they can build off of if they clean up a lot of processes. And uh, I'm, I'm going to jump in and say you are 100% correct. You are so intelligent and very brave. And that is why I also give this a two and a half, which uh, it, it's by, by the Netflix and Swill uh, scaling up to uh, times two is a five. Uh, yes. I, I love John Malkovich in this, but that's about it. Like, he's the only thing that I truly love about this show. And it almost wants me to have John Malkovich be in his own show about something else, because I'd love to see him do that. Being John Malkovich in Space Force. Well, here comes Captain <laughs> Shithead with a hot take. Uh, I, I want this show to die. Uh, oh. One and a half. Jesus! With, with, without, without John Malkovich, this would be unwatchable to me. That's fair. It hurts only because we had a lot of we we had a lot like oh this is gonna be it this is gonna be like that that comedy of this of the beginning of the summer yeah. right well I mean it's it's one of those things that like this isn't the first time this has happened to me in doing this show but like this is a situation where I expected nothing and I was still disappointed yeah I mean I watched that trailer and I went oh no I don't know about this one like I I I I, <laughs> I, I saw that trailer and I was like I don't know if this is going to be good. And it wasn't. I, I saw the announcement that they were doing a show called Space Force, and I said, "Oh no!" Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. I, know, I I had a I had a lot of hope because I feel like as a writer myself, I'm like, okay, like I could just go, like I could just write like ten different sketches of what we can be able to do, and I feel like a good sitcom can just focus on that. But when you're focusing on like ten different things in thirty minutes, mm-hmm. I can't get attached to anything. Like I would just one one episode of them trying to build a space rover, right? Like, and, and then they can't figure it out because all the parts come from China. Well, I thought, I thought POTUS said everything's made American. Well, he says that, but he tweets something different. Like, like, I, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. There's so much missed opportunities at comedy just from Space Force alone. And I think not having enough focus to really like hone in on that Yo, I'm telling if any yay, I know you guys are listening to Netflix and Swill Podcast, okay? Mm-hmm. So listen, you know, Greg Daniels, Owen Daniels, all you guys, let's trim down the fat on this show. Like let's really focus in. Like, I mean, how many characters are typically in an episode on the office? You know? Six, seven, and you you're you're only focused on three or four? Yeah, you you have your two plots, and those typically revolve around two to three characters apiece. So anywhere from six. Uh, four to six characters plus a uh, random side character showing up in and out that really don't need to be fleshed out because they're always on the show and can always get fleshed out through like little little gags every now and then. Yeah, there's too many people that got speaking roles in this show, like way too many, and I just I can care about maybe two of them. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean I'm I'm still gonna continue complaining about this show because now I just I'm mad. Uh, the the like the other general who helps him out, Brad, uh, and his publicist, whose literal name in the show is Fuck Tony. Uh, both of them can be completely <laughs> excised from the show, and we would lose nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's so weird to see like that Ben Schwartz type of character. Like, I don't think that he that character could ever exist in this world. I don't. I don't see the purpose of them. But I feel like they wanted to have some type of, you know. Kellyanne Conway or like like something like that, right? 
Like, the only good thing Ben Schwartz has ever done was Sonic the Hedgehog, and he wasn't even in the fucking movie. Uh, I, I, this that was a perfect Ben Schwartz character to me, in that he was overbearing and annoying, and that is exactly how I feel Ben Schwartz is most of the time. <laughs> I actually, I don't, I haven't watched too much of him. I liked what I, so I liked what he did. I don't like it how he like it, it wasn't appropriate. It for doesn't this fit project. in the show. It does not. You know, like he should like, I want to, I guess maybe I thought this was going to be like a mock on the Trump presidency. Like, and they're so like, like, yeah, give me the Kelly, give me the Spicer. Like the guy who has to come up, like he's got to do press conferences about Space Force every day. You know, like, like give me that. That's so much more They gave you a little bit where he's like, hey, that person is like. Awful question. Great answer. Awful question. Moving on. Like, okay, yeah. that, that's that's a funny bit. Keep doing that shit. But they didn't. Gosh, am I gonna go down to a four? No, I'm not. I'm staying. No, five. you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that my negativity is affecting you, though. Oh man, <laughs> it's. <sighs> well, we'll see when Space Force season two comes out. Uh, probably hasn't been announced yet, but uh, is no doubt in the works because. Uh, a lot of people probably watched it. But that, I mean, so where is it at in the top 10? Is it, I haven't checked. Uh, it was number two today. And that's okay. oh, like 10 days after release. So that's still pretty good. Huh. That is. Yeah, unfortunately, this show is uh, a juggernaut and will be around presumably forever. Hmm. Or until hmm. Steve Carell decides he wants to stop doing it. <laughs> Yeah, why don't we cut into a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about something that's actually good. Colby, would you like to stick around to talk about Pan's Labyrinth with us? I haven't seen it. I feel bad. Wow. Ever? Yeah, I know. I, I don't know why I missed it. When was that? It was like 2004. Six. Oh, six. I thought it was 2004. Okay, yeah. No, no I was- actually, and this blew my mind. This came out two years after the Ron Perlman Hellboy. Wow. And I could have sworn to you on my mother's life that Hellboy was after this. Yeah, I would have said, the, I would have said I, that I too. I thought this was older. Sheesh. Yeah, for some reason I thought this was like when I was in high school. Okay, if it came out in 2006, I know exactly why I missed it. I was living in LA. I can't remember most of 2006. So, okay. <laughs> okay. Yikes. Uh, well, uh, let's talk about something you can remember. Uh, why don't you tell everyone where you can find us, or I'm sorry, where you can find your show and what you do on the internet. Hey, thanks so much once again, guys, for being to have me on. The thing that I can remember is that you can follow your boy on all the socials at Kobe told me on Twitter and Instagram. And if you're still into Facebook, I am there at Kobe Mac. When I'm in the mood to write, you can check out my website at ColbyToldMe.com. You can listen to my podcast, the Kobe Told Me podcast on all major platforms. And remember, when they ask you where you heard it from, tell them Kobe told me. Colby, I love you. Uh, let's not let you be off the show for so long. Come back soon. Yes. We, we need your energy. I don't know what I'm doing here after 200 <laughs> episodes. <laughs> I got a plan. You know, uh, I was talking about this with another podcaster. I want to be the official, unofficial podcast hype man for indie podcasters. Ooh. So reach out to your boy, guys. If you need me to come in here and inject some energy and get you hype for the motherfucking Netflix and Swill podcast, I can oh be that God. guy. Ow! <laughs> the Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast, 
Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast, the IMDb Journey podcast, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about a patron requested review. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. And this week, uh, courtesy of Julio of the Contrarians podcast, we watched Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth is a 2006 drama fantasy war film. Uh, In Spain, 1944, the bookish young stepdaughter of a sadistic army officer escapes into an eerie but captivating fantasy world. This is an 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb and was written and directed by Guillermo del Toro. Dan, what did you think of Pan's Labyrinth? Have you seen this before? How long has it been? And how does it hold up? It's been a, uh, not as long as it's been. Uh, I think I watched it like a year and a half ago. Uh, not for the first time, for like the second or third time. But like before that, it was like around the time it came out. Or like when I was in college and opening my horizons to things. Uh, so, uh, how did it hold up? Uh, with the exception of the CGI, which they had to use for certain things, which understandable. Like there, there's certain things you can't move around the way they need to move around. Uh. I it's very it's it's great it's a it's a it's a great movie uh mainly focused around like the the a plot of the girl uh and you know her pretend her possibly being like the son of or the the son the daughter of the king of the underworld like it's a weird story and as we know with weird stories I love them I thought this held up very well actually um I first saw this film pretty much when it came out uh do you remember <laughs> do you remember Jeremy Swarm from college I do remember Jeremy Swarm from college uh so he was he was a weird cat he uh burned me a dvd that had the uh like a, a torrent of this that he had downloaded mm-hmm. uh so i watched it on that and that was like how i learned that bittorrent existed um Really dug it. Never saw it since then until this week. I've obviously learned a lot more about film since then. Uh, I really dig the practical effects. Yep. I can't believe that this was post Hellboy because I like that fucks up my entire narrative about Guillermo del Toro's career. Right. But uh, like you can definitely see the uh, like the visual connection between those two films. Um, I don't know. I, I really like the creature design. Um, 
the plot is fairly straightforward mm-hmm. but enjoyable and just i don't know it's uh it's pretty well written well acted um i really enjoyed this it, it was good to revisit this yeah i agree uh i think this for me this parallels a lot with the chronicles of narnia in a way because it's also set during world war ii in a specific like remote area where you know there's a kid who uh, you know reads a lot of fairy tales and at least the way mm-hmm. this is a potential way of this being read i i haven't heard of anybody reading it like this but i i feel like it's almost like her imagination running wild uh to a degree and like oh she's doing these things no one else can see them because uh either she's imagining mm-hmm. it or you know it's really happening and only she can see it it's magic it's magic and that that was one of the things that i wanted to bring up in our discussion um but do you think that the magic stuff actually happened or do you think that it was all like her imagining it in her head as a coping mechanism for this horrible world that she was thrust into? Right. It's tough to say regarding that because like. Because both reads of the movie work. Yes. But, and I, I brought this up and it kind of melted Ashley's head a bit. And I brought it up with Chronicles of Narnia being the same thing because like the Chronicles of Narnia takes place during uh, specifically the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe takes place during the London bombings. So, so mm-hmm. like when you, when you put it in that kind of a context, you're just like, oh, this is a kid who's either a bored out of their skull and is just coming up with things and because they hate their situation or B they're so traumatized by their situation. They need some kind of escape or C it's really happening. She really is the daughter of the King of the underworld. Like uh, and any way you watch this movie, it works out narratively. Yeah, and I honestly don't have a strong opinion on whether or not the magic stuff actually happened and was real, uh, because my takeaway from the movie is that it doesn't matter if it was real or not, because it was real to her. Right. Um, like, I, I kind of compare this to Life of Pi, where, like, sure, maybe he didn't live on a boat with a tiger for, you know, however long, but the story in which he did is more interesting narratively. Mm-hmm. So that that's the story that like you choose to show. Right. Yeah, I feel that. There's a few nitpicks that I have with this, but like it's uh it's kind of along the lines of like uh Coraline in like movies that I just think are like visually marvelous that um I just adore them on an artistic level even though they're not like something that I'm going to fawn over no pun intended shit um endlessly and like fucking talk about constantly right but like this movie is a fantastic example of film as art uh especially considering some of the shit that was coming out in 2006 yeah right some of the stylistic choices in it like i really hate like there's a lot of blue filter in this mm-hmm. and like the worst part for that is like there's a scene where uh there was a conflict between the soldiers and like the rebel army uh in the forest that like that scene was clearly shot during the day and then they put a fucking yep, the day like, dark it. blue filter over it in post and like don't don't do that. Don't fucking shoot day for night. Right. It never works. Just shoot at night. 
Like, and you had scenes shot at night. Just shoot, shoot at, at night. night. Yeah. It's not like you're making movies on the weekend and you only have certain amounts of time to get everyone together. Like, at least with those kind of movies, it's, it's excusable. With this, you're a, a legitimate film crew with a legitimate budget. Like, you can, you can be like, hey, yeah. we're shooting at night th- today. Like, that's happening. Yeah, like, you had everybody there. Like, the, this basically is a single location film because it all takes place, like, in and around this little, like, military outpost. Mm-hmm. Just fucking, <laughs> just fucking wake everybody up at like nine, ten o'clock, and be like, "Hey, we got to get this scene real quick." Right. I, uh, I fucking hate day for night so much. It aggravates me so much. Any fucking time I see it. Yeah. It, it is. It is always a bad choice. Always. I hate to bring this piece of shit up, but like, it reminded me of uh, the last Airbender movie. Oh, no. Because they did that a lot. And also, like, that movie was shot in 2D and then, uh, like, converted into being 3D in post because they did a 3D release of it in theaters. And, like, yes. whenever you do that, it, like, it darkens the entire film. So, like, uh, like kind of the siege of the Northern Water Temple at the end of that movie, like you just couldn't see what was happening. Yeah, I don't want to get in that movie. Uh, I have many things to say about that movie. As <laughs> movie's so bad, he's uh, a travesty <laughs> and a disaster, and should never have been made. Well, it it fucking ended Shyamalama Ding Dong's career for a long time. Yeah, rightfully so. Honestly, uh, outside of like the the production design, which is fantastic, uh, I don't I don't have much else to say that hasn't already been said. I I just felt like the whole the whole f- lens of it, like, is it real or is it all in this girl's head? Like, I I I feel like that's a an interesting conversation to have because, like, honestly, yeah. I don't hear too many people talking about this movie now. Uh, and so I don't hear that conversation brought up and I'm sure someone's going to link me a hundred fucking podcast episodes where someone talks about it, but <laughs> I, I, I think it's an interesting discussion to have now. Mm-hmm. What do you think of this as a war movie? I mean, it's kind of there. It's like, it's, it's the B plot to this movie. Basically like the, the main plot is this girl and her journey to, of like, escapism and, and like the war is kind of mm-hmm. like this this background like oh she needs to escape from all of this stuff that's happening because it this man that her mom wants to be her father is uh horrible and awful so she needs to get away from this however she can so like mm. this is kind of a film about like the human cost of war because it's like this very small insulated like instance of just people dealing with this situation, but like, uh, there's, there's people on one side who care about people on the other. And like it all, the shithead military officer, like in a way he's the most pure character, like him and Ophelia, our main character are like, they're both like pure characters. Like they're both like the only characters that are purely driven by one thing. Uh, um, it's just that they're on completely opposite ends of the, the coin. 
Um, cause I would argue that like Ophelia is a, a pure, uh, a pure heart, like a, a purely good person and the, the captain or whatever is, uh, purely evil, but like, um, everybody else, they're kind of just like caught up in the middle of it for the most part. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. Like I, 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 you said it perfectly. I don't have anything to add really. All right. Well, uh, what would you rate Pan's Labyrinth? Uh, four out of five. It's a it's a great movie. You should go watch it, Colby, if you haven't seen it. Yes, it is a four out of hey. five. Um, I don't know this. This is kind of a career benchmark for Guillermo del Toro. Um, it's very good. This is uh, this is one of the films that he will be remembered for. All right, Caleb. Well, uh, next week on the show. We're going to talk about Defy Bloods, the latest Spike Lee joint. And uh, for our third segment, we will be doing a dick pick. So uh, if you're ready, I have my word and the movie I've selected for us. Uh, I actually will defer to you on this one. Uh, my word is choke. And that brought me to the Indian film Choked. Paisa Bolta High. I, I butchered that completely. But you're so I apologize. Uh, A bank employee weighed down (laughs) by her jobless husband's debts and her own broken dreams finds a secret source of seemingly unlimited cash in her home. It actually came out this year and it's a (laughs) Netflix original. So here we go. It has been a while since we've watched an Indian film. Yeah. Perhaps not since we reviewed M Cream with Super Movie Dave. Uh, I actually think the last one, was it M cream or was it, what was that really terrible action Bollywood movie? Boom. That's it. Boom. Oh, boom. I forgot about fucking boom. Fuck. That movie was bad. It was awful. And uh, fortunately no longer on Netflix. (laughs) Hooray. We did it. We've done it. it. All right. Well, uh, Tell the people where they can find us, Daniel. Best place to find us, NetflixandSwill.com. It's your one-stop shop for all your Netflix and Swill needs, especially social media links. But if uh, you're feeling lazy, you can just go to at Netflix and Swill on all of them and find us. Yeah, and make sure that you check out our guest at the Colby Told Me podcast. Remember, when they ask you where you heard it, tell them Colby told you. I don't have anything else to add. Thank you for listening. I feel like this is going to be a very long episode, it'll, but it'll be uh, you stuck it out. It's also episode 200. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, we yeah. don't, we don't talk about self-success a lot, really. Like we, we we're just kind of like very matter of fact about it, but we're encroaching on th- uh, four years of podcasting, 200 episodes. Yeah. I mean, hooray us. I mean, I have more important things to do than jerk myself yeah. off. So. It, it's an ar- it's an arbitrary number. It's no different than 199 or 201. It's just another number in the sequence. It just sequence. so happens to have two zeros in it, and that's that's the big yeah. thing about it. But if you've been here since episode one, thank you. Yes, thanks, Nick. Uh, I'm yeah, th- Nick. I'm I'm so humbled <laughs> by your continued patronage. Um, it's been a long, strange trip, and. Uh, I'm sure we'll stick around for another 200 at least. Yeah, at least. And then we'll probably hate each other. I don't know. We haven't 
or we'll sell out and get that cage. You, get that ca- you know, John Krasinski did it right, everybody. No matter what you think about it, John Krasinski was correct. He did the right thing. So, uh, until next week, this is Caleb saying, uh, we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.